want you to go in your Bibles, if you have them, to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to start a new series uh, today called This Is For you. This is for you. I, I grew up in a pastor's family, and uh, we ha- I have three sisters and a brother. And uh, so our, our church in a small little city, they'd always bless us on Christmas. And, uh, man, we were so, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, but the church would always, like, buy our family, like, gift baskets and things for Christmas. And, and I was always grateful, okay? I was always grateful. But it's like you didn't get a present that said, like, Dustin. It was just like the Bates family. And then you just fight your siblings for whatever thing in there that you wanted, you know. And uh, I'm just going to tell you this. There's something about something being addressed specifically to you. The generalities sometimes can take away the meaning of the gift. If it just says it's to you all, it doesn't mean as much as it is to you. Dustin, this is for you. I'm going to tell you this, that this series, I want you to understand that what Jesus did, what God did through sending Jesus, is send a gift addressed to you. And for maybe for you, your whole life, it's been a generality, but I want you to make it very specific today, that Jesus came to bring life, to bring freedom, to bring joy to you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great Light On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. This is Isaiah prophesying about a future salvation. It says, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Now listen to this, and this is the one you probably heard. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. I want to propose this to you, not just unto us a child is born, but I want you to put your own name and your own life and your own history and your own life story into that phrase and let it be unto you. Unto you a child is born. My, my oldest son, Judy, just had a birthday, and, and uh, he turned nine, and uh, he was getting blessed, and everybody's getting him presents, and, and uh, one of his aunties gave him uh, a present of which he had already received from someone else, and he goes, I, oh, what, what do you see? He says, another one? With disgust. I'm like, son, pack your bags. You're going on a mission trip. You're about to go to a third world country. You're about to learn, like, how blessed you are, right? Because you have been totally ungrateful publicly for a gift that you just received. I, I, I was thinking about this this week, is that Christmas, we know this, and it's cliche, is, is, it's, we know it's about gifts. We know that people give and there's generosity, but the greatest gift we know that's ever been given is the gift of Jesus. And I, I started thinking this week, I wonder how grieved God must be to provide someone like Jesus, to be the answer for the world's problems, to be the solve for every human heartache, to be the forgiver of sins and the redeemer of the lost and the savior of the world, and to provide that to us and, and for us as humanity to say, another one, I, I chose this one, or I, I chose it. to have disregard for the gift that 
he has given us. And, and I started to think that we've got to have the weight of the meaning of Christmas sit on us a little bit different this year in understanding that God sent a gift through Jesus and he sent it straight to us. He sent it straight to you. Isaiah, by some theologians, is called the Christmas prophet. The Christmas prophet, probably because the only time you've ever heard Isaiah is Christmas time. Unto us a son is, uh, is born, unto us a child is given. But Isaiah lines out the prophecy that would then prophesy that Jesus would come as the Messiah, that he would come as the Savior of the world. Now you need to know this, that there are over 365 prophecies in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah. 365 prophetic words that were given that when the Messiah comes, he will be this or he will be that. When Jesus came, he fulfilled all 365 of those prophecies. 109 of those prophecies could have only been fulfilled by Jesus. Now, there's nobody on the earth that could have ever fulfilled all of those things than Jesus. That Jesus is the Messiah. I think this is interesting. I'll give you a couple, because I think when we read our Bible sequentially, we read Isaiah, and we don't think there's much time between Isaiah and Matthew. But there's a lot of time between the book of Isaiah and when it was prophesied and when it came to pass. In fact, the Bible teaches us there was over 700 years. 700 years from when Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born. We think, man, that's awesome. That'll be perfect in the Christmas presentation, sitting around the tree, and I'll read it for unto us. He did it, and probably the people thought he was crazy. Just the government will be on his shoulders. What? What is this? And 700, he dies with no fulfillment to the prophecy. There was one prophecy, maybe you've heard this. It was prophesied that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. That the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, 710 B.C. He prophesied, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for, for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now, this is in the Old Testament. Micah prophesies this 700 years later in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. It says, verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now, if you love Old Testament prophecy, you know that the Messiah had to come from the line of David. You also find out that Joseph and Mary didn't live in Bethlehem. So it just so happened that she got pregnant and just so happened that she delivered the baby at the time when they were in Bethlehem. Maybe a coincidence, maybe, may, maybe not. Maybe a prophecy from Isaiah, 700 years that's fulfilled in the New Testament. It is prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and would be called Emmanuel. Now, all of us super spiritual people are like, yeah, that's right. He will be born of a virgin and he will be called Emmanuel. Can you imagine when that's being prophesied? Can you imagine someone standing up here? Just given a prophecy about a, a future Savior that would come. And that would be born of someone who is a virgin. Right? I, you, guys are, you guys are way more spiritual than I am. I'm like, wait, what? Right? So this is prophesied in the book of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. That's the prophecy. 
700 years later. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is is wild to think about that a prophet is prophesying a future salvation for the people of Israel and for the world. And over 700 years passes, over hundreds and hundreds of prophecies, Jesus is born and fulfills those prophecies. It wasn't by accident that Jesus came. It wasn't by accident that he was born. He came on purpose and for a purpose. He came, and the Bible tells us this in Matthew chapter 1, or Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Did you know the chief purpose of Jesus coming was to seek and to save the lost? I I know in Americanized Christianity, we think the chief purpose of Jesus coming was to give us a happy life, Give us a third home, give us, a, give us a, a, an influencer status, give us a viral TikTok. Give a, we, we think that like Jesus came to like make us happy. Well, Jesus, he cares about your happiness. But the reason that Jesus came was not just to make circumstances good. This is where people have been indoctrinated with false doctrine in a Jesus that just wants to make their little life happy. And this is why so many people fall away from God or step away from God is because they thought if they said yes to Jesus that their life would be happiness. And then when real life hits, they shake their fist at God like he did it. But God never promised happiness. God never promised good things. In fact, he said, if you follow me, you will be persecuted. People don't read, people don't read that one very often. He said that you will be hated on account of me. He said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Merry, Merry Christmas, by the way. Merry Christmas, everybody. God didn't promise happiness. He didn't promise circumstances to align. He promised that he would come and save those who are lost. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but each and every one of us are lost. When we were born into this world, we were born under a curse. We were born under the curse of the law, which means, Romans says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which means that when we die from this earth, that we'll be forever separated from the presence of God, that, the, that, that we will not spend eternity with Jesus, we will not spend eternity with him, we'll be separated. But when God saw the problem of sin separating man from him, he says, I can't have this. This is my creation. I want them with me. So I'm going to devise a plan, a solution. And he says, Isaiah, there is going to be a child that's going to be born. There's going to be a son that's going to be given, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. He says, I'm going to come, and I'm going to save my people from their sins. You know, it's interesting that In the Hebrew, when it talks about the names of God, it doesn't say like he has all of these, he has all of these different attributes and all of these different names. In the Hebrew, it's singular. Like his name is all of those things. It's like it's hyphenated. 
Mighty God, wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace. It's, it's all of those things together. He's not one or the other. He's all of that. He doesn't have peace. He is peace. He, 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 he doesn't have good counsel. He is counsel. He says everything that he, it's singular. This is who he is. So God said, I see a problem in the world, and I'm going to send the answer. I'm going to send the answer. And I know it, it's cliche in the Christmas season to talk so much about gifts, but let me tell you about what the gift Jesus is. This gift is for you. This gift is for you. I don't want you to think about your uncle, your son, your daughter, your neighbor, your boss. I want you to think about this, that this gift is for you. He was the child that was born, the word that became flesh. He was the gift designed just for you. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 14, it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So check this out. This gift is for you. This gift, this gift is specifically for you. Jesus was born as a man. He was actually born. He had to grow up. He, he had to mature. Jesus. If, if Jesus didn't have to grow up and mature and face trials and situations of trouble, how would he be able to empathize with you? But because he was tired and because he was lonely... And because he experienced betrayal, and because at times he experienced heartache, because of those things, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, so he can relate with us. He can understand our life. He can understand the ups and the downs. You have a Jesus, a gift that's for you. Say, well, man, no one understands what I've been through. No, he, he understands. God sent him to walk the earth. If he wouldn't have came, then he wouldn't know what it was like to be tired. If he didn't come, he wouldn't know what it was like to be hungry. He wouldn't know what it was like to be lonely. He wouldn't know what it was like to be you. He wouldn't know what, but because he came and he walked, he knows what it's like to be us. The gift is for you. The gift has purpose. The gift has purpose. You know, there's some gifts that you get, you know, and, and there's a reason. When you get older, I feel like this happens a lot of times. It's like, you don't just give gifts for fun. You get gifts for a reason, right? Like a couple Christmases ago, my mom and dad, they got me a present. I was excited because I'm still kind of like a kid, you know, I like fun stuff. And, and, and so I opened it up and, and they, they got me tie-down straps. And I was like, well, all right, thanks. Thanks. Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. You know what's crazy? I've, I've used those tie-down straps so many times. I'm like, I mean, they, they, they have come in handy. I literally, last night, I used those tie-down straps. The, the, there's gifts for purpose, and, and, and there's gifts that just are for, you know, whatever. I'm going to tell you this. God didn't come just for whatever. He didn't send Jesus as, as, as a, hey, let's just make him happy. He sent Jesus on a purpose, on a, on a, on a mission, on a mandate. And the number one mandate is not for us to be, to have a happy life. The number one mandate was to make sure that he saved our souls. 
that we were removed from God, that we were distant from God, that we were disconnected from his peace and from his presence and from his person. And he said, Jesus, you've got a mission. I need you to make sure that I can have relationship with him. This gift has a purpose. Jesus came to redeem the world from sin and death. This is part of his purpose. He came to redeem the world from sin and death. He came to deliver us from the curse of the law. He came to set us free from our own human depravity. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. I I love this. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. That's good news for anybody that's ever suffered under the the hand or the power of the enemy is you have a God that says not any any longer. I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to send him with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And anything that stands up against them, I'm going to give them the power to overcome and to break through. That means there is no fear. There is no bondage. There is no stronghold that can stop you from your God-given destiny. His His gift, Jesus, came for a purpose. Purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Friends, we don't need another marketing campaign. We don't need another publicity stunt. We need the church to wake up to the reality that what the world needs is Jesus. What the world needs is the gift that comes through Jesus. What the world needs is this gift, Jesus, that saves people from their sins. It's not even popular to talk about sin anymore. You know what separates us from God is sin. You know what sin is? It's disobedience. It's not something you have to feel judged or condemned for. You just have to know that that's the thing that separates you from God. And when you recognize that that's the thing that separates you from God, you'll be all the more grateful for the gift that comes, that takes on that sin for you, forgives you of that sin, cleanses you from that sin, so that you can walk in freedom and in life. 1 John 4, 10, it says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This gift had a purpose. It was to forgive us of our sins. Man, you you don't have to walk through this life with shame. You don't have to walk through this life being condemned. I talked to a buddy of mine the other day. This is a couple months ago now. And he said, I don't know. I don't know if I can come to church this weekend. And he goes, "You, you don't know what I've done this weekend. Or what the past week. And I'm like, do you even know what the church is? If if you're feeling if you're feeling condemned from coming to church, you haven't understood the purpose of the gift. The purpose of the gift is to cut we we don't, we, we don't say just go and sin and do whatever you want. We just understand that sin separates me from God. But it also fills me with gratitude to understand that God sent a gift, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin. That's why I worship like I worship. That's why I'm thankful like I'm thankful. That's why I praise like I praise. Because I was separated from him and now I'm in relationship with him. The gift has a purpose. And lastly, this gift, this gift brings joy. This gift brings joy. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What is the good news? The good news was not that Jesus came so that he's going to turn, he's going to turn the, the, the loaves and the bread into more loaves and bread, and we're going to feed the 5,000. That was not the good news. The good news was not even that he would heal the leper. Or that he would restore the sight of the blind. The good news was that we were separated from God. 
We don't talk about this enough anymore. That we were, separa- we were separated from him. And the good news is say, hey, let everybody know. Access is granted. This gift is for you. You can come into this presence anytime you want. No matter your past, no matter your history, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through. Jesus paid a price so you can come in to his presence. When you recognize that, it brings you joy. You know, I was studying this week for this, for this message, and yesterday I started just diving into to, to joy. And I started to find this trend throughout the Word of God that's really interesting, that you don't find rejoicing and you don't find joy in your Bible unless it's connected with salvation. Now, that, that's, that's interesting. So I started looking deeper, and I started studying, and every time, rejoice, and again I say, Rejoice. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. When you find joy, you find it's connected to salvation. Wherever there is salvation, there is celebration. You can find this. You you look at all, when you read, you're going to see it all throughout your Bible. If you see rejoicing or you see joy, you're going to find celebration. You're going to find salvation. Rick Warren says this, the son of God became the son of man. So that the children of men could become the children of God. When I recognize that transfer, it brings me joy. My, my boys and I, we uh, went out. I took them on a hunting trip this last week. And, and uh, this is the first time that they really, like, went on a big boy trip with, with dad. And uh, we were going hardcore. And uh, I'm like, you got to keep up with me. We're doing all the things I normally do. We're not scaling down for you, all right? Time to level up. And uh, so we, my brother was dropping us off, and we had, we had a little walk uh, to where we were hunting, and, and it was pitch black super early in the morning. And uh, so we started walking, and I knew right where we were. We've come here so many times, and so he drops us off. And it was, it was a really dark, really dark morning. And uh, so he drops us off. And my boys, I got them, you know, headlamps, you know. They got all the gear, man, they're ready to go. And they're like, Dad, can we turn our headlamps on? I'm like, no, we don't use headlamps out here. I said, Dad, why'd you get us the headlamps? It's a good question. I shouldn't have spent that money. Because we don't need, man, we just, man, by the stars and the moon and the feel of the earth beneath our feet, we'll find our way. We're not spooking anything around here, so we started walking. And, and um, I was walking what I thought to be the amount of time that I needed to walk to get to the trail that I was trying to find. And, and we weren't there, and everything started looking a little different. I don't know if you've ever been in the woods like this. I'm like, that tree's not right. And then I could tell the boys could tell I didn't know where I was going. And so I just tried to, instead of just going back to where I came from and starting over, I'm just kind of like, let's just go this way a little bit. Let's just go this way. You never do this if you're lost, by the way. Go this way a little bit. And then I turned around, I'm like, man. And my, my youngest son, Genesis, he goes, Dad, you don't know where we're going, do you? I said, no, I do, I do. It's all good. Let's just go back to the road. And then we're going to start again. All right, we're going to start again. So we went back to the road, and, and um, there's this, this pile of sticks that marks the trail. And I walked up the road and down the back. I couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. And so finally I'm like, okay, I know it's this way. It's not that far. We're going to start over again. So we just tra- we didn't go on the trail or anything. We're just going through the woods. And I'm walking along, and I, I feel this little hand, like, slide up into my hand. And I'm like, Genesis, you all right? He goes, Dad, I'm a little scared. I'm like, it's all right. It's all right. We'll find it. And sure enough, we found it. So, all right, in, happy ending. We found it, and uh, we go up there, and, and a couple, you know, a little while later, the sun starts to come up, and my son, he, he looks out the window, 
And literally, you can see from the window, this little trail to the road. It, it felt like we were miles in the woods. And it's just like, I mean, it's just right there, clear as day. Honestly, I was getting a little nervous. I'm like, man, we, I don't know which way I went. And uh, it, it's, it's right there. Because things look different in the light than they do in the darkness. And, and you know what's interesting? They walked back on that trail after our hunt with no problem. Because they had light. And the light illuminated the path, and there was no fear because they knew right where they were going. I was praying this week, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. He said that some people have forgotten how dark the night is, and it's why they don't have joy in the light of their salvation. That the reason that some of us don't have joy is not just because things are not going right in our lives. It's because we forgot how dark the night is. Because as soon as you realize and recognize what Jesus has saved you from, it manifests in extreme joy and gratitude. It manifests in praise and worship. Because when you recognize how, see, some, some, of, you, some of you in the room, you know this. Because, man, you live for the world, and God saved you. You shouldn't even be alive right now. You know how dark it can be. That's, that's, that's why you appreciate the light so much. But some people, honestly, and I was one of these, that you grew up in church. You grew up around religion and in the presence of God. So you don't recognize how dark the darkness was that Jesus saved you out of. And so we need to do two things today. Is One, we need to ask God for a revelation of what he saved us from. Or two, you need to ask God to help you remember what he saved you from. Man, there is no excuse for believers to ever be without joy unless you've forgotten what he saved you from. Because when you see how much light he has shown on the darkness of your soul and the darkness of your heart, your bank account be, can be empty, but your heart will be full. Your life can be chaotic, but your heart will be at peace. The world can be crazy around you, but you can be settled within you because the joy of the Lord is your... What joy? Not the joy in circumstances, the joy that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. What, 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 did, what did the verse, first scripture we read said, we read say in Isaiah? It's said again in Matthew chapter 4, 16. Matthew quotes the prophet and he says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And I feel this so strongly, is that what our city needs and what your family needs is not another program to admit to, to apply to, not another tip, or not another, not, 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 not another system. What we need is light. Friends, if we recognize what Jesus saved us from, Man, this life is temporary. You know what Paul said? He said to live, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We fear death. You've never seen more fear than we saw in 2020. I don't want to die. Friends, if you die and you're with Jesus, you're going to be with Jesus. That's why we don't mourn like the world mourns. You don't have to fear death. You're never going to be separated from him. When you say yes to Jesus, the moment you die on earth is the moment that you take a breath and come alive in his presence. There is no separation from God. To live in is Christ. To die is gain. The Bible says to be absent from the body 
is to be present with the Lord. What Paul, you know what Paul was grappling with? Do I stay here? Do I just go be with Jesus? We put so much gravity on this life. I don't have that status, and we don't have that house, and we don't have that thing. This is here today, gone tomorrow. What really matters is that your friends and your family and your coworkers, they see the light of Jesus. Because if they don't see his light, friends, they walk and they stumble in darkness. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the lighthouse to the world. And we have to let this light shine. That's the meaning of Christmas. That's the purpose of the gift. That we shine this glorious light and let people know there is nothing that can keep you from his presence. Nothing can keep us from his presence. I just need to encourage Uncle so-and-so that what he needs is light. Oh, there's crazy drunk so-and-so. No, what they need is light. we got to stop drawing boundaries and putting limits and labels on people and communities and cities and start saying what you need is light. I don't care how far gone you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're saying about the church or about the Lord. What you need is light. And that gift, friends, is for you. That gift is available. That gift is for me. That gift is for my city. That gift is for my family. That gift, Jesus. You can stand up all across this place. My prayer is that as many Christmases as we've all been a part of, that this would be different. I just want it to be different. I know it's all about family and craziness, presence and chaos, but I'm gonna just ask the Holy Spirit to settle into our hearts the joy of the what if Christmas doesn't go as planned you can still have joy what if your life hasn't gone as planned you know that you have a high priest who's still able to sympathize with your weaknesses he still feels your pain but you know what the pain doesn't have to steal your joy the craziness doesn't have to steal your joy man if I just had this and that then I would be okay if I just got the Man, that stuff comes and goes. I was talking to a guy last week, and he said, I have more money than I knew what to do with. He said, and I was miserable. He said, I was miserable. You think like, man, we just, we think about like, man, if I just was right there and I didn't have the stress of this or that, I would be, he goes, I was miserable. You know what he needed? He needed light, not money. Money is fine. You can have money. Just make sure you got light. Make sure that you've got the joy of the Lord. That's why Paul can say, I've learned in whatever situation I am, I've learned the secret of being content. Because his joy was not in what he had or what he didn't have. If he was in prison or free, his joy was that he was lost and then he was found. And because he recognized and experienced the dark in such a deep way, then the light was so special to him. I think Paul was so bold because he experienced the darkness in such a real way. That's why some of the most crazy Christians are people that have come with like a crazy past. Where they go crazy in the world, crazy in the kingdom. No, they saw the darkness. They felt the darkness. And then when you feel freedom, 
Do you feel peace? We can't forget what that feels like. And do, you, do you remember the day that you actually gave your heart to Jesus? Do you remember when you surrendered your life to him? We got to go back to that. We got to go back to that place when that shame came off you, when that weight came off you, when you recognize that you've got a purpose, you've got a plan for your life. We got to go back to that moment. Let Christmas be the reminder of the gift of Jesus, of the light that shone for you in the darkness of your situation.